0: For our text this this evening, we'll be reading from Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12, and I'll read from verse 22 to verse 34. This is God's word for us, his people. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. For your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's an old, old storyline about someone who wishes that they could have God's power and then finds out a little bit of what that's actually like. A few years ago when I was in college, there was this movie called Bruce Almighty that explored that basic storyline. In that movie, a television reporter called Bruce, who's really quite a jerk, has a number of setbacks, most of them due to his own nastiness, and he complains that God isn't running the world right. And miraculously, Bruce gets to meet with God, he offers his complaint, and he gets gets to have God's power for a while. And of course, Bruce predictably does all kinds of stupid and selfish things with that new divine power. He embarrasses one of his co-workers and ruins his career. He beats up people. He does all kinds of self-serving nonsense. And when God comes to him and reminds him that he actually needs to fulfill some of the job here and answer some prayer requests, Bruce just sets up a program that answers yes to any prayer request that anybody offers, no matter what it is. And you can guess how the world worked pretty quickly. The world just falls apart. Bruce's friends find his new sense of entitlement and self-centeredness really off-putting. So he ends up lonely and alone. All of the requests, those prayer requests he just casually said yes to, all of them come true. And things go terribly wrong. Millions and millions of people win the lottery. All kinds of crazy things start happening in the world. And no one knows how to live anymore because things don't make any sense. And as Bruce looks around the world, he realizes he's made a huge mess of everything. He's hurt all the people in his life terribly. He feels this crushing burden of how much he's messed up the world, how much he's messed up his life, how much he's messed up everything he cares about. And so he goes back to God and he begs God to take the weight of the world back. Now that storyline has been in use for hundreds, maybe even thousands of years From ancient stories to modern movies, you can find all kinds of examples of people telling this story. Some human being wants to be like God. They get God's power, and everything goes terribly wrong. We humans cannot bear the weight of the whole world, and in our heart of hearts, we know it. But that still doesn't stop us from trying. Even if we aren't trying to run the whole world we often weigh ourselves down with too much worry and concern about how things are going to work out. We worry ceaselessly about our parents, our kids, our spouses, our friends. We worry about getting the bills paid. We worry about our government. We worry about our next government coming into power sometime. We worry about the latest threat in the world, whether it's ISIS or China or Russia or Syria or whatever. We worry. We try to carry God's burden. We try to put the world on our back. Have you ever tried to carry the weight of the world on your back? Could you do it? Was it heavy? Do your worries ever weigh you down? And so Jesus says to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or your body, what you will wear. Jesus tells us Do not worry. Do not worry. Don't worry. And the way that's phrased in the original Greek is don't be continually worried. Don't get all bent out of shape. Don't get consumed by perpetual anxiety. Don't do that. And then Jesus tells his disciples to consider. Consider the birds and consider the plants. Look at the crow's Look at the ravens, look at the flowers. And in that time, kind of like today, ravens were looked down on. They were nasty animals, they were scavengers, they were unclean. People didn't want to touch them, people didn't want to be near them. They were the lowest of birds. And yet Jesus says, even those birds, even those things that are unclean, that no one wants anything to do with, God takes care of them. Consider the ravens. And think about the flowers, too. They're here today and they're gone tomorrow, but they're clothed with color and beauty. They come and go. Even weeds have their own beauty. God clothes them in splendor. Consider the flowers. And consider if God cares for even the ravens and the flowers, how much more he must care for you. Consider that. When we were missionaries in Nigeria, one of the first years we had some of the students at the Bible school I taught taught at plant us a little garden. We had some corn and I think some beans and a couple other things. And we had this great idea that we were going to do some gardening. But that just didn't work. Day to day, whenever I'd even have the remotest thought of heading out there to do something, there'd be a line in the plumbing that would break, or the washing machine would start smoking. Or there'd be someone on the porch who wanted some advice or, just as often, who wanted to give me some advice. Or there'd be classes to teach or there'd be meetings to attend to or there'd be supplies to go by. Things just kept coming up. And so the plans ended up being the lowest priority. I was just too busy. And the things with people were always, always more important. There was only so much time and energy to go around... And the beans and the corn just never quite made the cut. We didn't have the time. We didn't have the energy. But our Lord has infinite energy and infinite time. We can look at the world and we can see how he cares even for the birds and the flowers that we aren't willing to spend any of our time on. The Lord knows the needs of even those little things. And the Lord values people so much more than that. And so Jesus tells us not to set our hearts on what we're going to eat and drink and what we're going to wear. He tells us not to run after those things. We don't need to spend all of our time and energy on worrying. Don't be continually anxious, Jesus tells us. And the reason we don't need to be anxious It's because our Heavenly Father cares for us. Because God cares for us, we can lay down our burdens. Because God is in control of the world, we don't need to be. So tonight I'm going to trace out some reasons that we can trust God. To do that, I'm going to talk about three levels of God's providence. Three ways that God shows His power For our world and for us. First, we don't need to worry because it is God Himself who upholds the world. God upholds the world, and so we don't need to be afraid. As we talked about last week, God created the world, and God upholds the world continually. Without God's continued work, without God's hand on the universe, everything would descend into chaos and nothingness. The universe only continues to exist. Because it's in God's hands. Some people say that this idea of God is just a nice story we tell ourselves, but he doesn't really exist. And of course, a non-existent God can't hold the world up. But that doesn't fit the biblical story. Other people say that God's around, but he's not really, really in control of everything. This was a big, trendy thing a few years ago with process theology and open theism Those were some viewpoints in the evangelical world even that thought God was a little bit like the supervisor of an overbooked, understaffed daycare. He was always running around, putting out fires, literal and metaphorical. He would be solving disputes. He would try to keep the facilities running right, but he just couldn't keep up. There was too much going on, too much destruction, too much busyness. Some days the supervisor won, some days the chaos won. And some people think, well, God's kind of like that. He kind of manages the world, but maybe he can't quite keep up. But again, that doesn't fit the biblical picture either. And then some other people think, well, you know, God kind of set the world going, but now he just lets people do what they want, and he lets the world run on its own course. It's like God was a carpenter who built a house, and the minute that last nail was in, he took off for Florida and left his phone at home. It's not his problem if the faucet leaks or a window gets broken. He's done. And that doesn't really fit the biblical picture either. And of course, if we talk about all those viewpoints, we know right away, no, 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 we don't believe that. That's other people out there. But with how we live, with how we actually function day to day, sometimes that's the picture we have of God. God is just a fantasy story, pie in the sky. God who just can't really handle the world. Yeah, he tries, but he never really keeps up. A God who, yeah, he created the world, but now he doesn't really have a hand in it anymore. God is not like that. We know it, but we need reminders. We need reminders that the true Lord upholds the world all the time. From the moment creation began to right now, God has held everything in place. God's providential work extends to all things and goes on moment by moment. Now, there's some disagreement we can have as Christians with how exactly providence works out. But if you're going to believe in the Bible, you have to affirm that God is always at work all the way through. You can discuss the details, but if you really want to believe in the Bible and follow the church, you've just got to affirm that God continually upholds the world. And from that affirmation, we get the comfort that the world is not going to fall to pieces. Things may be hard, the world may not always make sense to us, but because God created and God upholds the world, we can be comforted that everything Really is in his hands. So God providentially providentially upholds the created world, and God also rules over all of human history. Like a lot of other psalms, Psalm 33, which we read last week, talks about how God made and uphold the world and also how he determines the destinies of the nations. And let me read a bit of that psalm again tonight. I'm going to read from Psalm 33. It'll be up on the screen. Psalm 33, verses 13 to 18. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. God rules over history. God's authority is not limited to just the natural world. He also has authority over all the nations, all the societies, all the peoples of the world. From heaven, God looks down on humanity. He forms the hearts of all. Nothing can stand up to God's strength. When the nations rage and the people put plots together, the Lord laughs, and then he brings about his will. The Lord really does reign over all of human history. But of course, you know and I know that everything doesn't go right in the world. The nations, the peoples, all kinds of entities in the world do things that they should not do. And that's part of why we worry. Yeah, we know that God reigns over everything, but it seems like there's so many terrible things that happen. We look around the world, you read the news for just a day or two, and it's hard to see how things all fit with God's plan. And part of our response to that needs to be just faith. We trust that God loves us. We trust that God rules over history. And we trust that we can't see how things are all going to work out. But God is trustworthy. But part of that too is that we live in a world that's in the midst of rebellion. And so when we see the armies of the world, when we see the devil at work, even when we see ourselves doing terrible things, we realize this is not the way things are supposed to be. And this isn't the way that things are going to be in the end. The Lord looks at the power of the nations, the power of the demons, the power even of our own wicked hearts, and he laughs. No king, no man or woman, no one is saved by their own power. God reigns over all things. And in Jesus Christ, God has gained the victory over sin and death forever. In the growth of the church around the world over the last 2,000 years, in any place at all where we see justice and righteousness, we see glimpses of God's coming kingdom. We see God's hand at work. Just like God upholds the world, God rules over history, and he will work all things together according to his will. And then where this all comes home, Is that God takes care of each of us? God cares for you. The pagan world runs after all kinds of other things, and our Father in heaven knows that we need them. But Jesus tells us to seek first, seek first the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be added to you. Don't be afraid, little flock for the Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Don't be afraid, little flock, for the Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. God is the good shepherd of his people. If you believe in Jesus, you are one of God's own flock, and the Father will take care of you. The Lord is pleased to give even us his kingdom. And so Jesus tells us, don't be afraid. When you're lying awake at night and you're anxious and you're upset, lay down your burdens. And then when we continue to Luke 12, chapter 33, those last couple verses that we read, it sounds like Jesus is giving us another burden, but that's actually part of invitation to freedom in him. Verse 33 says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Now, you may remember the story of the rich young man from elsewhere in Luke and some of the other Gospels. And this guy comes to Jesus and he says, basically, I've obeyed all of the Old Testament law. I've done things right. What more do I need to do to get eternal life? And then what does Jesus tell him? Well, Jesus tells him the same thing that he tells us in verse 33 here. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. And then come and follow me. And do you remember what that rich young ruler did? He went away sad. He went away heartbroken because he was very wealthy. And he could not imagine laying down what he had in order to follow Jesus. He was looking for eternal life. But he was weighed down and held back by his stuff. And the problem wasn't even really his stuff. The problem was the hold it had on him. The things he couldn't let go of. The things he was anxious about. The things that kept him awake at night. Anything that you can't give up is the thing that's controlling you. If you can't give something away, if you can't lay something down, that thing is in control of your life. If you can't give up something that you have, you do not own that thing. That thing owns you. If you can't lay down your worry and your anxiety and let God take care of it, then you aren't in control of your worry. Your worry is in control of you. This invitation to sell your possessions and give to the poor is an invitation to not be afraid. The call to lay down your possessions, to lay down your worries and your burdens and trust in God, that's a call to freedom. You don't need to lay awake at night and worry if you don't have enough stuff. You don't need to lay awake at night and worry about what happened today and what's going to happen tomorrow. Lay your Burdens down. Loosen the death grip that you have on all the things you think you need to control. In our spiritual journeys a lot of us carry a lot more weight than we need to. We worry about what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, where we're going to live, what car we're going to drive. We worry about what's going to happen to the important people in our life. We worry about how tomorrow's going to turn out. We worry and worry And worry and worry. But none of those things are really able to solve our basic problem. Nothing on earth can set us free from fear and worry. But Jesus invites us to lay down all of our anxieties. To lay down all of that stuff. And to trust in God's care for us. All the treasures we have in this earth, all the control we think we can exercise will someday turn to dust. And so Jesus invites us to lay those things down, to put our trust in our Father in heaven who cares for us. The Lord invites you tonight to stop your worrying, to stop running after other things, and instead to seek God, to seek after his kingdom and to know that God will give you his kingdom and everything else you need because you are part of his beloved little flock. Therefore, don't be afraid. Don't worry because our Father cares for you. We don't really want the universe to be in our hands. We can't possibly carry that burden. We can't hold things together, and we can't make things right. We don't have that power. But God has the power, and God can do it. God upholds all things moment by moment. God rules over the whole course of human history. God cares for his people. And because we serve the Lord God Almighty, because God is providentially active, We can have good confidence that nothing, nothing but nothing but nothing but nothing will ever be able to separate us from the love and the care that God has for his people in Christ Jesus. Do not worry, little flock. Do not be afraid because God cares.